Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Great Minds Don't Think Alike, a podcast all about neurodiversity. For this episode, you'll be mostly hosted by myself, Christian. And myself, Cal. And we'll be talking about overdiagnosis of autism. Eamon has quite a few interesting neurodiversity issues he would like to ponder over. Uh, I'll also be talking about the best ways to break it to your kids, that they're neurologically different. And we'll just be going through some of the current conversations happening around people with different wired brains. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash greatmindsonsyn. Also follow us on Twitter at GMDTASYN for those of you who love your letters. And any keen writers out there who would like to submit any short stories or articles or essays or poems or whatever pieces if you're under 26 and you have something to say about neurodiversity using the form of the written word, just send it through to gmuta.media at gmail.com. We'd love to read your submissions. But uh, for now, we're going to go into a... diagnosis. Yes. So enjoy this very scintillating discussion. Today, this fortnight, I'm going to be talking about the concept of overdiagnosis inside the autism community. First sort of grabbed my attention when it was immediately suggested because it seems like a very, very interesting idea by its inception. Autism back in, you know, 1950 was considered to be a a 1 in 150 child uh, affliction. So it wasn't very much attention or resources paid to said children because it was very, very rare. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, inside the modern age, with, you know, better diagnosis criteria, better implements and maybe a looser categorization of what you call autism spectrum disorder is now one in 68 mm-hmm. and people are starting to become very concerned because there is a big moral conundrum because that uh, autism spectrum disorder doesn't have any physical characteristics it is a purely mental disorder it is, becomes very hard to classify and what happens if you have a child that isn't diagnosed and you don't tell him or what happens if a child doesn't have autism and you tell him he does First of all, this kind of started off because the DSM-5 recently came out and instead the DSM-4 had four broad categories for putting people into autism spectrum disorder. Asperger's was one of them. Social dysphoria was one of them that was considered to be an autistic disorder. And now with DSM-5, they've brought it all back in and said, okay, you all have ASD, but we're not squeezing you into different categories. And this has very, very come, become very disheartening, especially for the Asperger's community, because they're very, because the Asperger's community is inherently very high functioning. They've been able to latch onto this label, and now it's been taken away from them. Mm. Um, yeah, per- personally, that's not what I found. Like, I, I did like, I did enjoy having the Asperger's uh, and, and identify well with it when it was when it really, you know, had that legitimacy in Australia. But um, I have to say I, I sort of responded quite well to it being taken away. I guess it was a bit of a wake-up call that, you know, you, you, you can't see yourself as, as superior to the people who just have general autism. Like, it, it's, it was just sort of a reminder that it is that broad spectrum. Like, I think it prevented any of that kind of rhetoric of people who think, well, Asperger's is a gift because it's, it's like autism, but it's the mild kind, so it's just kind of the livable kind, and you, you're just a bit different. You can use it to your advantage. Making it all fall under ASD kind of forced you to think about the whole spectrum in that sort of relative seeing past just purely the difficulties kind of way. Yeah, and using the high-functioning, mm. low-functioning sort of like... Uh, yeah. terms that the DSM-4 uses, mm. it's kind of flawed in the way that you yeah. use it. Because, like, these psychologists who create the DSM-5, all they do is argue semantics. 
Uh, that's literally their job. I know. But look, to a certain extent, the semantics are certainly important because they do have a profound you know, impact on people who, are, who don't really know that much about autism. When, when they see the word, there's certainly you know, certain things that they do think of and it's all based around semantics. And yeah, I'm sure you've, you've encountered this yourself when people see the word autism. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know semantics are, can be very finicky, but to people who haven't done their research, they're purely just going on those connotations. They are, and mm. the spate of overdiagnosis usually mm. comes from you know parents groups who want to go, hey, my kid doesn't have autism. How dare you call him autistic? Yeah. He's not. And then I take one look at the kid, and I'm like, yeah. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, but I know, he's crippingly introverted. He has a very, what's mm. called a very high spatial intelligence. He has no reflective empathy. Yeah, the kid's autistic, mate. <laughs> very high spatial intelligence. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's either very high or very low because mine is very low. So it's mm. kind of you know extremes, I guess, on the on the IQ test. Oh, Tends, bro- yeah. yes, yes, yes. The, the uh, what they call the peaks and troughs, rather than it all sort of sitting in the same kind of band, this, you know, yeah, averaging and, out and, to be the same. And for some autistic yeah. people, it depends on what day of the week it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Wednesday, they'll get 147. If yeah. it's Tuesday, they'll get 82. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. You know, t- testing them in the right way because mm. there's there's plenty of questions I saw that just trip people up because they take it too literally. But in terms of overdiagnosis, you know, I think one thing that's abundantly clear to me is that I'm. some people seem to think that autism has now become more prevalent. I don't really buy that at all. Yeah, there's a difference. But some people think, yeah, okay, more diagnoses yeah, you, means this there's is, a... Yeah, this is yeah. sort of just like the rhetoric that gets yeah. spun out by, you yeah. know, the vax, the anti-vaxxer exactly. crowd. Yeah, and yeah. you're just like, no, yeah. no. Okay, <laughs> first of all, even if that was true, I'm pretty sure you'd rather have your kid have autism than die from whooping cough at yeah. the age of seven. That's just an illusion that it's growing. It's absolutely... <laughs> yeah, it, it's because that you... Especially with from the DSM-3 mm. to the DSM-4, um, there was this broadening... As I said, they broke it down into categorizations, and this allowed the psychologists who were testing people for autism to go, okay, you have this specific subset of trait. If I can fit you into sort of what's like the high-functioning, low-functioning criterion, mm. you have something in the low functions, you have something in the high functions, I'm squeezing you into general autistic disorder. They had a lot more flexibility in the way that they would treat their patients, obviously, because mm. that's where they are. And I've seen this in sort of like the argumentation around it. People seem to be avoiding the elephant in the room. And for me, that is what happens when you have a kid who's not autistic get diagnosed with autism. Because yeah. nobody seems to want to deny the kid due process because mm-hmm. like with an autism diagnosis you get all this support and all this other stuff yeah. but what happens if the speech pathologist says nah yeah this kid is fine <laughs> and the mm. parents have sort of just like latched onto this mm. thing saying oh my kid's not fine and here's the reasons why well it could mean that they have something else something that's not so well known and something that's oh, still pretty absolutely. yeah pretty new on the research front something that's mm. where autism was say uh, 60 years ago or whatever the kid might have uh, oppositional disorder which oh uh, oppositional defiant disorder it, yeah. yes or borderline personality disorder it might yeah, not yeah. actually be something related with autism yeah so it might not be something that's gotten as much media attention or something mm. that's people at least seem to think that they that they get and they have a, a mental image of but they can still certainly get the support some of the support that they need if it's a sort of new on the research front obviously that's still going to be slow but parents I definitely understand they need to walk away with something them just telling them your child is I can't diagnose it with anything they're on a perfectly normal developmental kind of path well, well I mean sometimes it might just be that they're on their own timeline and that's what it's like with childhood development even sometimes and these are merely just rumours but mm. a lot of people during and especially the 90s and now have a withholding autism diagnosis purely because the kid seems absolutely fine. Mm. There's just like, yeah, the kid 
might have autism, but he might be covering it. So, <laughs> again, we don't want to go, hey, your kid's autistic because that <sighs> has, has a lot of that carries with it a lot of weight, and the kid will be fine because he's developing normally. Yeah, it's the, the connotations. Normally, it's the in inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's the it's the connotations again, the semantics, that very very annoying stuff, which unfortunately does have an impact on how people on someone's life <laughs> and and what they have access to and how people treat them, and also their perceptions of themselves. You can't forget that the kid, you know, at a very early age, like I got told when I was sixteen, but I always knew that I was different by the fact mm. that everyone was just like, oh hey. Look, it's the autistic kid. Mm. Let's treat him somewhat differently yeah. from everybody else. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, and that's going to lead very nicely into our next topic, which is the best ways as a parent to break it to your kid that they're neurodivergent. Yes. But um, was, was there any... Were there neurodivergent. Any final? That's one of the ones that I've heard that I... I'm considering taking on. I like it. Yes. <laughs> it makes me think of young adult fiction every time I say it, but... I, oh, <laughs> you see the movie they made out of that? It was Mediocre. Yeah, I, I gave the definition of mediocrity. I gave her the pass. I've seen The Hunger Games. That was good enough. But anyway, um, yeah. any final thoughts on uh, overdiagnosis, Cal? First of all, I don't think it's a bigger problem as the people inside the debate think that there is. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a sort of like this giant spate of overdiagnosis. I do think it's about one in 50 kids who are, how you say, ASD positive. Um, okay, yeah. Or hell, it's one in every classroom. The only reason why I do think it's because the diagnostic criteria has become... More sensitive. Uh, a hell of a lot more specific. They know precisely what to look for now. And the kids who used to dodge around it, sort of just like, you know, cover for it, and, and especially the women who were very adept at chameleoning themselves into the background purely because of their socialization. That's also the name of a very good documentary, everybody, if you watch. Uh, kids, especially women, who are socialized much differently inside society, who have much easier... F- easier time chameleoning themselves instead of the back and pretending that they're not autistic uh, and therefore not presenting the symptoms. If they can, this shows that diagnostic criteria is at least getting better and it's not getting worse. And that's why I was, I'm always able to take the, their sort of just like their particular judgment and why I still have faith in the medical model. Sure. Because they're just like, oh yeah, no, we're still correct. It is one in 50 and we need to give all the resources that we can to help people, especially the kids who are denying it themselves. Uh, well, yeah, to help them live their lives, put quite simply. Thanks very, very much for listening to Cal and Kristen talking about overdiagnosis of autism. Enjoy or rather, the, the not overdiagnosis of autism. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I suddenly realised where that conversation went. True, true, true. Um, yeah, yeah, well, talking about improvements of diagnostic tools of autism, clumsy syntax. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your episode. Hello, Christian and Cal here, and we're going to have a bit of a discussion now about uh, the best ways that parents can break it to their to their kids if they have autism or dyslexia or ADHD or anything on the neurodiverse spectrum, the neurodiversity field. The best ways to break it to them that their that their brains are wired differently, or however you like to put it. This these kind of you know semantics and analogies and different ways of putting things, of course, will be the topic of. Our, our discussion right now, because I, I know that that can be a very difficult thing, you know, judging the right time. And uh, and I just happened to read in the Huffington Post a really interesting article from a, from a parent, kind of comparing it to like the, the discussion of the of the birds and the bees. That by the time you actually get to telling your child that they have it, chances are they probably sort of become wise to something already. Uh. Like they're not going to be totally what. I never would have suspected that I was in any way different from my peers. 
oh, that, especially if it's later. That, that, that depends because it's like, well, my experience of mm. um, is because I always knew that I was different because yeah. I was treated differently. Now, if indeed I did not have an, uh, an autism diagnosis, I would have been treated the same and this therefore completely flown underneath the radar. Mm-hmm. Well, I know. Maybe like now, older children with autism getting so much media exposure that they, they might have heard of it and started to wonder. But you know, even even if they haven't heard the word autism or or Asperger's when it was you know, when that was the one that was used, they it 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 doesn't tend to be a, you know a, a total shock to them that they have mm. that they have something. Well it, it's getting so much media exposure now that people are starting to self diagnose, in which mm. case please don't do that. Oh no, don't uh, self diagnose. Um <laughs> go to go to a professional. You are not an objective source of whatever you think you are. No, no, absolutely not. No. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, by, by all means, you know, do, do, do some, do some research, but you know, don't, don't start calling yourself autistic if you haven't actually had a diagnosis. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, you feel free to use something general, like, I don't know, quirky or socially awkward or clumsy or weird. Yeah. That's when I got, yeah. Weird, uh, wacky, what, Whatever general non you know not non scientific non medical diagnostic thing you want to use, but don't take autism because yes you you need a professional to diagnose you with that to know for sure. So once you know for sure, or once you know for sure that your child has it, uh oh yeah obviously I I'm not really sure I you know um how good the resources out there for. You know, because I've, I'm, I'm not a parent who has been told that my child has autism. So um, I, I'm not entirely sure how good the resources are that are out there for, you know, actually so, for getting to that part, you know, for telling them, okay, this is how best to tell your child. But, you know, of, of course, definitely people talk about waiting for the right moment when your child is ready, but also wait until the moment you're ready. Like, it's it's going to be... It's it's really just going to make things worse if you if you give it a go if you're still completely lost yourself about it. The, the mm. parent inside the article compared it to talking about the birds and the bees. A little bit, yeah, not not the whole so, way through. It was just kind of a passing comment. But you know, the the the, ma- the main thing was that they're all going to your child is already going to have some kind of inkling. The, so you know, trust, find a good analogy. Yeah, the, and, I don't yeah. think the analogy sticks because. Oh, sorry. Well, I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, that was just a little thing. Yes. Um, when when I said you know she she was talking about finding an you know finding an analogy that works for the child, so you uh, know she mentioned mentioned things like, well it's it's like every all of your friends are Windows computers and you're a MacBook. But anyway, it's it's good to come armed with either either a good analogy or a good you know way to actually use the use the term and explain it well, mm-hmm. um, because. Like I know the the first time my I think my parents did make an early attempt at it, like, um, and I think they they kind of had a pretty good handle on what it actually was by the time they got to talking to me about it, which you know of course is an important thing, but um, I mean you know they first time did their best, but they hadn't quite found something that really stuck yet, so I actually have no recollection of this conversation happening. I mean you know I don't doubt that it did, but I was only eleven when it happened. Eleven. Yeah. They tried to tell you when you were eleven. Um. Yeah. They tried hmm. telling me something. They didn't use the word as. This is back when it was Asperger's. They didn't use the word Asperger's. They didn't. Uh To my knowledge, I don't think they really used any kind of concrete analogy. It might have. 
I suspect it might have just kind of been a little bit wishy-washy, which is the approach some people take. You know, the, the whole, well, imagine if everyone was the same. Wouldn't life be boring? So you're just a little bit different. Everyone's, well, everyone's different. You, you're, you're good at some things but bad at others, which is, which is what everyone is. And, 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 and you know, um, you're, you're special. Well, you know, every, everyone's special. But please, you're st- please tell me you're actually talking like, but everybody is. But yeah. everybody's different and special in like, some way. <laughs> and then your parents have to go, uh, oh, God, we're not explaining this properly. Oh, <laughs> no, that's, I, I don't remember what I said back. But, but I mean, you, know, you, you, you start that kind of vague way about it. And, um, and I, I don't think any of it really sticks. And I, and I don't think you, there's, there's no, there's no, like, there's, there's nothing to take back from. There's, there's no, there's no take home. There's nothing to retain from it. Um, you've kind of just had a bit of a ramble about humanity in general, but haven't actually really told your child anything that, <laughs> I, I knew if, uh, that if, they can use. Yeah. Well, if I knew, like, when my mother told me, mm. she sat me down and says, basically said, okay, I want you to write down all your activities and I want you to put, how, as a percentage of time, how much time you would spend on those things. And then my mum wrote down what she thought truer inside that sort of sense on, on the breakdown of my, t- uh, of my time. Mm. Uh, and we also, we flipped it over and I thought that I spent, you know, 30% of my existence playing video games. Mm-hmm. My mother's just like, no, you spend about half your existence playing video games. Uh, this isn't normal for other people. I'm like, sorry, what? Mm. Pe- other people don't like video games. They don't like playing them all the time. She's like, yes, you grow obsessive about certain things. Do you ever notice other people aren't? Slightly. Um... Everyone else calls me weird for doing it, but part and parcel. Mm. Oh, you've got this... Syndrome called Asperger's, and that's the reason why you a lot. Uh, that's the reason why you obsess over certain things, and the reason why you spend so long playing video games. Hmm. Right. So what you say is I'm clinically weird. <laughs> I <like it>. <laughs> <laughs> clinically weird. I like it. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one for later. <laughs> but but it's 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 funny. Like listening to that. Um. I I think that could easily like describe lots and lots of you know kid kids the same age like do you, do you, do you, do you, do you... well now it is because you know video games are and this is more talking about video game design than anything okay yeah, they're yeah. more skinner boxes so they're just like hey do this thing get a reward right. and so you can do this other thing and get a larger reward oh yeah and it becomes an addictive an addictive cycle sure um, me it was just like hey i'm gonna play the super 64 uh super mario 64 for about 12 hours. I've already done all levels and collected all stars, but I'm going to do it again just because of posterity. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but, but I mean, you know, like talking, talking about obsessions and well, I, um, what was it? Luke, Luke Jackson, who wrote Freaks, Geeks and Asperger's Syndrome um, ages ago when he was 13, so he's probably like in his 20s now. I, I remember him writing something, um, when is an obsession not an obsession? As a question. Answer, when it is about football kind of true um, well, for kids of his age group. Well, that's, that's, um, that's kind of specific to the Australian culture, but sure. Um, oh, well, he was, he was English, so sorry, by, by football he meant soccer. Uh, but um, <laughs> Still... What we would call soccer. But, yeah, um, still sticks. Yeah, um, but, but, but I know um, there's, there's certain, you know, certain obsessions that people don't really think of as obsessions. Sport in the Australian culture, well, they do think oh. of it as an obsession, but nothing that would point towards... Yeah, being neurodivergent. The, 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 the difference is, of course, that, you know, um, 
instead of just like you know rocking up to the game where next week where you know you, you don't know specifically what's going to happen but you know there's going to be a score at halftime um that is going to tell you whether a team is winning or losing yeah uh for at least the difference here in inside inside my mind is that when you when you have a person who is um AS, who has autism spectrum disorder uh they will tend to go oh i'm just going to do the same thing with this for the same outcome over and over again mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, yeah this is oh, this is why you can tie yourself in, up in knots like try, trying to find ways of differentiating autism from either the rest of humanity or or you know a, a whole lot of other I, diagnoses because do, you know doing the same thing again with a different outcome is certainly not specific to, to the autism spectrum like you know you ask it's it's pl- a definition of insanity yeah, but it is um oh but you know, all right well it is a definition of insanity but 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 it's also just the repetitive things that like social conventions that you know people do like you ask someone ah oh, I, I don't know um you know i i just asked you how you were and you said good why did you say good when you weren't good uh i don't know ah uh, you just what laughed do you before you mean you just <laughs> laughed before you gave that answer what was funny why did you laugh ah oh, i don't know you just said sorry in the middle of that. What were you apologizing for? Oh, I don't know. It's just a social convention. Um, you know, pe- people pe- people get into these strange patterns of behavior that are kind of aimless and senseless and not very rational, uh, autistic or not. Um, and this isn't meant to totally, you know, shred the existence of autism or anything. But it's, it, it, it just goes to show that uh, so many explanations fall down when, once you start kind of comparing what you've just described to everyone who doesn't have autism and realizing that doesn't actually differentiate. Yeah, that, mm. that, that is, at least to, inside my mind, at least a little bit true. Mm. People who are obsessed with football don't get sort of just like the, uh, the same, like they don't get pointed out and say, hey, you've got an autism spectrum disorder because you're obsessed with football. No. Because, you know, foot, being part of a uh, football crowd isn't, is sort of like inherently social inside my mind. Um, you have to hang out with other people who are also fans. At least with uh, video games, especially during the 90s, you have to sit inside your inside your room with the controller inside your lap and go, hey, I'm going to play this for several several hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. So it's a social aspect. Uh, I think that's yeah, the social aspect sort of normalizes it. True. Because there's a bunch, you know, there's a bunch of other people who are obsessed to the same level as mm. everybody else, but that is no longer true, especially with the what I like to call the rise of the nerd kingdom, <laughs> because you're just like, oh, hang on a second, there's a, this entire cabal of people on the internet who are ex- into exactly the same thing that I am. I know, um, but people don't really seem, uh, although they call it social media and all of that, um, other people, you know, discount the internet as really being a place to be social. Or to connect with other people, and look, you know, to to a certain extent, that's true. You know, that's true. Of obviously, if you live your entire life on the internet, there's flaws to that. But you know, to just just to completely discount that as any kind of human connect, or you know, as as a way of building a community, shall, yeah, video, shall we say? Yeah, video games even now mm. still don't get classified as sort of a social thing, even though when I was like, this is talking in 2008, which was about is now seven years ago. Mm. I was, I was, I was um, uh, hanging out with my friends on the internet on a game called Halo Three, and we would 
yeah, it was a lot of fun because we would bastardize the enemy so badly. And you would get underneath their skin, they end up playing badly and get even more angry. And we would just sit there and laugh, laugh our absolute asses off. Hmm. It was the greatest time ever. Nobody else would consider that to be social. Ever. And it's still a problem now, because just like, how you say, the typical sort of, the typical activities that people with ASD uh, communicate in are not considered to be social. So therefore, they're considered to be, they're considered to be obsessions. They're considered yeah. to be unhealthy, which I don't think is a very healthy way of viewing mm. it. <laughs> no, 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 cer- certainly not. Um, anyway, we've gone off on a tangent. Let's go back to the qu- let's go back to the point. Yes, <laughs> yes, brilliant. Uh, so, how do you tell your child that they're neurodivergent? Uh, well, some some tips I would give is you know, like, like I said, come come armed with something specific, either either. A Really good analogies. So this is this is another bad autism. This is um, one that really stuck with me. Like my my dad gave me this one for my motor dyspraxia uh, because I was starting to ask all these questions about why I kept having to have occupational therapy, or I think as I put it then, you know, why do I have to keep seeing this strange lady who gets me to bounce on beach balls all day um, <laughs> for no apparent reason? So so um, you know, he was talking about my my coordination skills. And I, I knew they were crap, but I was like, well, but I didn't really like sports, so why did I need to be any better? Um, and my dad would say, no, they're not terrible. They're just, okay, look, they're not bad. Uh, okay, let, let, let's, let's, let's take a pizza analogy. Um, let, you know, let's, let's say you're making a pizza for some friends, and it's, it's been in the oven for a while, um, but not, not quite long enough. Take it out. Your friends have a taste of it, and they say, oh, yeah, this is pretty good, but I think it could just be in there for a bit longer. It could be better. That's those are your coordination skills. They're not. There's nothing wrong with them. They just, they just could be. They're undercooked. Yeah, um, undercooked. Uh, you know, not not raw, but undercooked. Mm. That worked. But you know, clearly, because I I can still remember it. So give them give them something concrete to take hold of. Uh, you know, some, something that Give them a good anchor point yeah. that they can throw into the sea of, I don't know what the hell is going exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, of course, seek out as many reasons as, as possible for actually how, how, to, how to break it to your child, uh, because that's certainly, you know, something you do have to, you have to, you don't have it's, to script or anything, but, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to be ready for it. And the younger they are, the more, the more certainty you really have to, Show them. Uh, uh, I, I, with, I work with a lot of uh, with a lot of parents of the teenagers, ah, and yes. young adults who have uh, autism spectrum disorder, mm. and I, I do wonder the, how the way that they kind of break the news to their break the news to the kid, because mm. like obviously they know, if otherwise they wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. be coming to you know a organization called Asperger's Victoria. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, and. And yeah, some of them are, are are a bit downtrodden because they do realize that they're different. And some of them, some of them are, and it's almost like a contradiction. They're intelligent to know enough to know that they're not as intelligent as everybody else. Yeah, and I, I, it drives yeah. them absolutely insane. Mm. I went to do my my uh, gap year. I volunteered at a special school. Um, the most frustrated people there are the, the the ones who just got kicked out of a mainstream school and had to go to the special school. They're so utterly angry all the time and and I only think what's it called I, I only sit there and wonder precisely 
how they think of themselves. Hmm. Because, again, you're introducing this uh, this concept that you know your weirdness has a justification, mm-hmm. um, and it's almost sort of just like vouch like taking away the responsibility for them to go. Uh, it's almost like taking the responsibility w- away from underneath them, and it's going to go. Hey, don't worry about it. This is kind of not your fault. You were kind of born this way. It's fine. Nobody else is going to blame you for, uh, yeah. you know, the slight motor tics you might have or the fact that you can't see from my perspective all that often. Um, oh, well, you know, mo- motor tics, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a fair call, obviously, because yeah. that, those really can't be helped. And those are things that, you know, people around you, provided it's not dangerous or whatever, if it just looks a bit odd, just, just suck it up, really. Mm. Uh, you know, people around you looking at you, just deal with it. But... Uh, you know, um, what was oh seeing things from other pe- person's perspective, just using the line, "Well, I have autism, so that's why." I'm... Uh, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and sort of like mm. yeah, you don't want to you you do want to tell your 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 kid at 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 that sort of time where they're responsible enough to not to use it to an excuse for their for their rotten behavior, because yeah. Oh look, I I, I would say, if you can control something, or if you can learn to control something. It's your responsibility to do so if something's really is outside of your control. So either the motor tics or just you know the, the difficulty with seeing something from another person's perspective, like finding that hard, is not your fault. Finding it impossible because you're not willing to put in the effort is your fault. Mm-hmm. Let's let's tie this up. Yes, um, Christian, as a final final yes. point, if you had a kid who who is uh, neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, let's just say he had autism. Yeah, because it's the easy one. Yeah. Um how would you break it to him? I would, well, sort sort of just what I what I said before. I I would find, I would think of what they're interested in. If if it's if it's computers, I'd, I'd use the Mac Windows analogy. Uh, I I would, depending on their age. I probably would use the label, but then you know, really, really find a way to explain that label well and give them examples of as many as I could think of of you know other people who have that label attached to them. And I would impress upon them that you know the, these are the okay these are the things that you can't control. These are the things that you can control. And I might just flat out say, don't use it as an excuse for this, mm. but also don't beat yourself up over this. Yeah, I think those are very good recommendations. Thanks so much for listening to Cal and Christian talking about explaining autism to your children. Well, that's all we have time for this fortnight for Great Minds Don't Think Alike. You're with uh, me, Cal. And, and myself, Christian, and Eamon earlier, and I believe a few a few others as well who, who are behind this episode of Great Minds Don't Think Alike. Thanks very much for listening. Be sure to like us on Facebook, as we said before. Uh, and follow us on Twitter, GMDTASYN. And if you've got any blog entries you'd like to submit, send them straight to gmdta.media at gmail.com. Uh, yes. Uh, so we'll see you uh, in two weeks' time then. Yes. Thanks very much for joining us this week. Have a, have a lovely fortnight. And hopefully this episode was useful to you in understanding neurodiversity at large. Thank you for listening.